All right, Riverhouse, let's stand on our feet. Congratulations on being at church tonight. We found out who the brave ones are. All you live streamers, we bless you, but we just found out you're not as brave as we thought. I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. We are, you're wise, right? You're wise. Wasn't well, that a crazy storm last night? We were, we were downtown Boise. We went out to dinner and we're like running down the middle of the street because it's so thick on the sidewalks afterwards. I was like, I feel like we live in Aspen all of a sudden. So, wow. Let it rain, Lord. Let it snow upon us your grace tonight. Amen. I'm going to read, um, if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Ezekiel 47, and then we're going to jump from there to Acts 11, and we're going to read these two passages, and then I think the Holy Spirit wants to uh, communicate a message that will somehow weave these things together. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel 47, we're going to read the first 12 verses, and then if you want to put your like finger in the book of Acts, we'll then just flip right over and read that together as well. So here we go, Ezekiel 47, this is the prophet Ezekiel speaking from the land of Babylon. He has a vision, he's taken back by the Spirit to Jerusalem, and he speaks what he sees. He says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east, and the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and he led me around the outside to the outer gate that faced east and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand and now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, and when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the, salt, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to to Iniglame. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And if you turn to Acts 11, I'm going to read Acts 11 starting in verse 19. Again, speaking of the church in Antioch. Now those, I'll give you one long pause. If you fit, if you hit, uh, you know, First Corinthians, go left. If you're still in Matthew, go right. Now those 
who had scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God and what it had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And that is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You can be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you say your word is living and active sharper than a double-edged sword that can pierce through the thoughts, the intentions of our very heart, Lord. It can separate bone from marrow, Lord. It is precise and it is poignant. And Lord, we open ourselves to the living word of God. And we ask, Lord, that it won't just be um, the word that we're reading, God, but Holy Spirit will breathe upon your word tonight and it will speak and penetrate and pierce into the depths of us and that your gracious presence presence, Lord, will speak to us tonight, that you will speak to us and that your same creative voice that spoke and the cosmos became what it is, Lord, that you will speak tonight into the inward places of our heart and you will breathe upon us and that you will create something new inside inside of us, we pray, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, Lord. Let your grace reign upon this place, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 You know, I I get excited every time I come into the house of the Lord because I don't know what's going to happen every time I come into the house of the Lord. You know, I was telling the worship team and the, the, the ministry team before when we were praying before service, I said, you know, guys, it's just crazy to think that the sum of, of, of all of our parts will never add up to what actually takes place in the house of the Lord. It's like all of our little contributions plus the grace of God. And that plus the grace of God is like everything. It's like one plus six plus nine plus four plus seven plus eight plus 12 equals 500 billion. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just gotta be more than us. Like we, at the end of the day, no matter how long we've been serving the Lord, we really don't know what we're doing all that well. We know exactly what God will be like. He'll be the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will forever be good. He will forever be faithful. He will always be a shadow-free, perfect love. But we will never know what he's going to do next. (laughs) That just keeps us on our toes. So if you feel like you're on your toes, if you feel uncomfortable, praise God. My mom used to tell us growing up, whenever you feel comfortable, it's often a sign that God's probably uncomfortable. But when you're uncomfortable, it's a sign that God's often quite comfortable about where you are in your life. I think there is something vital about feeling a little bit uncomfortable in our walk with Jesus because he's always sending us out to do something new that we've never done before, calling us to walk on water, calling us to see the unseen, calling us to do what he says is impossible, calling us to believe, like calling us to be sheep amongst wolves. Who's like, does that sound exciting to anybody? (laughs) I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. You're like, I thought you were the good shepherd. 
I mean, I see how it's going to be tonight. I mean, you're going to make me work. You're like, all right, pastor, you're going to work tonight. No, I'm just going to rest in the grace of God. I'm going to let him do the work. So Ezekiel 47 is quite an interesting passage. It's pretty countercultural for that day. What Ezekiel sees is a decentralized vision of spirituality. Say decentralized. In this day, everything was about the temple of the Lord. The psalm of ascents are psalms that were all about going up to Jerusalem, up to the house of the Lord. The high point, the central axis upon which all of Israeli spirituality revolved around was the temple of God. And Ezekiel is taken to the temple of God and he sees this little trickle coming out of the temple and it actually gets bigger and more powerful the further away it gets from the temple. This is like not making sense to the Jewish worldview. This is like actually a prophetic vision. And you often know that things are prophetic because they come and they're like, I'm not gonna do it because you make fun of me if I did the full definition. But you know what I mean? Jesus is a master of like, turning our paradigms upside down. So Ezekiel is having a paradigm shifting vision and he's speaking and he's prophesying about the coming house of the Lord. Right, where there's this grace of God that's going to flow like a river, and wherever this river touches, it's going to make dead things come to life. Who's been to the Dead Sea in this room? I've been to the Dead Sea. You like float. I had an ice cream cone floating in the Dead Sea. Like It's not like you just like float. It's like buoyant. It's like if you try to go under, it like pops you up. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody has been there? It's like it like shoots you. You like can try to go down. It will shoot you back up. It's like vomits you back up to the surface of the water. It's so strong. And it is so salty. Like if that salt gets in your eye, it burns. Like it burns. It's like squeezing lemon straight into your eyes. Like it is so salty. You just rub your skin and it's like you feel like a baby. Your skin is so nice because you're so exfoliated. Like the point being nothing will ever, ever, ever live in that ocean, in that sea. In this picture, it's like God's like, let me think of a picture that I can show of what my grace is like. Oh, it'll be like water that when the fresh water touches that dead place, that dead place will start to swarm with fish. Right, so it's this vision. It's like this concealed vision. It had implications, you know, the way that prophecy is written. It would have had like a, an implication within the prophet's worldview of that day. Ezekiel is prophesying to an exiled Israel, speaking about a new temple that's coming. So it would have had implications in that day, but he's also prophesying probably without even having the mental capacity to recognize. He's prophesying about the church. So now we get to the book of Acts, where in Acts, this story of being swept into the movement of God, same movement, sounds like that river in Ezekiel 47, movement, we're called to a life of movement, we are not called to a life of being static, we're called to be movers, we're called to be in the grace of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus says it's like born of what? Wind, those born of wind, not water. I tricked you. You see that? I just switched you up. I had you in the river. I just took you into the wind. And the Holy Spirit is born of wind. You don't know where the wind comes from. You don't know where the wind's going. So it is with those who are born of the Spirit. Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. They're like, where are we going? He's like, I don't know. I'll tell you later. God's like, hey, Abraham, follow me, and then I'll show you to a land that I'm going to give you. God is a master of movement, because movement makes us uncomfortable. And when we're uncomfortable, God's quite content, because he can do what he wants in our hearts, because we're open to him. 
Oh, the drift of our Western world is we just think everything's a problem that we can solve. And if we can solve it, we can become a master of it. And as we master it, we just get more and more comfortable and God gets less and less ability to really influence us. But I think the Holy Spirit is just looking for hearts that can be influenceable. He's looking for hearts that are meek. He's looking for hearts that are perfectly teachable, perfectly influenceable. He wants us, you know, you'll hear coaches sometimes talk about kids on their team. They're like, he was the best kid ever to coach. I said, like, do this. He said, how high? He went above and beyond. It was like, he was so coachable. You know what I'm talking about? God's looking for, for his people that are like, they're so coachable. I can like do anything. I can say anything. Like they're so moldable. They're wet clay. God's looking for wet clay. He's the potter. We're the clay. He's just looking for soft clay. And if we'll give him space, you guys, if we'll just give him space, will it scare us? Oh my gosh, Yes. Oh my goodness, it will, you'll, your knees will be knocking all the time, but you'll find life. You'll find the real thing, the real thing that you were made for, that you're looking for. He either is the author of life, the one who created the world and founded it by wisdom. Wisdom means that there is a way of life. There is, there is a, a design to life where it can flourish and it either all flows from him and in that wisdom he made you and he knows how to satisfy you the way that nothing else does or, or, or not but I would say this like hopping on the fence between partial trust and partial strength, partial control it's like it doesn't make sense if you want to be in charge and you want to control just like go for it full bore And if you want him to be in charge, you want him to be in just go for it full bore. Because it's like, it's like worse to be in the middle. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's like more insane to be in the middle. <laughs> I don't even know what, this is not my notes. Right, so, so, so Ezekiel 47 is this picture of a movement. Then we get to Acts and we get this movement and there's persecution that creates this movement and the Jesus people start getting pushed out of Jerusalem, right? Say Jerusalem. Ezekiel sees a vision of Jerusalem. He sees this little trickle flowing from Jerusalem. He sees the further it gets from Jerusalem, it gets deeper, it gets wider, it gets more powerful. All of a sudden we see persecution in Jerusalem and this little trickle of people who believe they've seen this resurrected Jewish man and heard this message of resurrection that means all their sins can be wiped away and they can be transformed to look like a resurrection person in the image of this one who was crucified and raised from the dead on the third day and says all things now bow to my name and they're like I think it might be true and they start getting persecuted and this little trickle starts getting deeper and deeper and deeper and pretty soon it's in Antioch and it's like a river and it's like dead people are coming to life it's like Greeks like the Dead Sea, Greeks, these Greeks who search for wisdom and believe in pantheon of all these gods, these dead heathen people that have been away from God for all of the human story are coming to life. It's like Ezekiel 47's happening. 
And, and, and Jerusalem hears. They're back here and the trickle's trickling. And they hear this trickle's not a trickle anymore. It's in Antioch. And it's like a river that you can't cross. And it's turning the world upside down. And they're like, Barnabas, go check it out. And when Barnabas gets there, he gets to Antioch. And it's just, I marvel. It's like some of your translations will say, he marveled. He witnessed the grace of God. Right? What did he see? He saw the river. He like gets to Antioch and he's like, wow, I see. I see the grace of God. Say, I see. I see. He saw the grace of God. It wasn't like a theological truth. It was like he saw something. What did he see? Well, he saw that persecution was turning into the preaching of the gospel. Wow, that's amazing. He probably saw koinonia, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, this heart-to-heart connection of the believers. He saw the grace. Yeah, he would have seen that. He probably saw supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit, prophetic utterances, things taking place that are not a part of the sum total of all the human parts taking on in this community. He saw something. He saw something. He saw the grace of God. You guys, I'm preaching so much better than you're acting right now. I was, I was on a run. This is like, it's probably like 10 years ago. I was on a run. I was on a run by the Boise River. It was like I had a lunch break. I had meetings in the morning. I had meetings in the afternoon. I had a lunch break. I had a lunch break. I didn't realize because I was in meetings all morning that it was like 103, in 103 degrees outside. It was like August. So I start on this run, and I'm running, and I do this, like, six, I was doing the six-mile loop at the time, and it's a loop, so it's, like, back and then out, and so once you're out, you can't really stop the loop, because I had meetings in the afternoon, and about three miles in, which is, like, the far person, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even bring water, like, I'm dying right now, it is 103 degrees outside, and I'm, like, I'm hurting, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm hurting. I'm like, what am, I, what am I thinking? I don't even have water. And I'm way out here. So I'm like, I've got 30 minutes till my next meeting. And I've got three miles between me and my car. I'm like, this is a bad, this is a bad place to be. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, am I going to get, like, heat stroke? Am I going to pass out? I'm like, all right, I just got to keep going. So I'm running. I'm, mind you, I'm by the Boise River. So I'm literally running next to the Boise River. And I keep hearing this, this like, whisper inside of me. It says, get in the river. Get in the river. And I'm just like, Lord, I'm dying. Help me. Give me grace. I'm late. And I just keep hearing, get in the river. Get in the river. Get in the river. But I am just keep telling him, I'm so late. Help me. I'm so hot. Help me. Like, and I'm, I'm running. I forget the meeting. It was a meeting I couldn't be late to. And finally, I'm so tired and probably like on the verge of heat exhaustion that I just stop and I like, I'm like collapsing, like breathing so hard. I'm just like, my sweat is salty. So it's like salt is just like baked into my whole face. I'm like, I am miserable. And all of a sudden I hear again, it says, Jordan, get in the river. And I'm like, Lord, I clearly don't have time to get in the river right now. I'm like, I have shoes on, I have socks on, I'm already late. And he's just like, get in the river. So it's like the bank of the river. I'm like, I can't take my shoes off. (laughs) So I'm like, all right. So I like like stop, I start like climbing down the bank of the river. I'm like trying to get my whole body into the river without getting my shoes wet. And I just kind of like 
shimmy on down into the river with my feet like around a tree or something, and I'm just start wading the river. And when I get in this river, like, it's like, oh, like this cold blast of water washes over my body. And I was like, whoa. So I'm just like, this feels so good. And then I just heard the Lord say, now run. I got out. I was, I bet me my body temperature dropped 40 degrees and I felt like I was frolicking the last two and a half miles. I just ran the whole way, got in my car, straight to the meeting, made it in time. Later that night, I'm like reflecting. The Lord's like, you need to slow down. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, do you see there's a big difference between next to the river versus being in the river? And I was like, yeah. And he said, yeah. That's what it's like for my people. So there's a big difference between knowing about my grace. Be like, oh, it's grace. It's amazing grace. It's grace that forgives you. It heals you, sanctifies you, does all these amazing things. I could give you a whole theology of the grace of God. But it's a lot different to know about the grace of God versus living in the grace of God. The grand grace of God that when Barnabas would show up, he would marvel and give praise to God because he'd be like, huh? I see it. I see grace. I see the, the presence of the Lord upon this life. I see this river that every dead thing it touches, it comes to life. I see peace. I see joy. I see passion. I see the manifest presence of the Lord. It is a very different reality to know and be next to the river versus living in the river. I want to talk tonight about how do we live in the river? What does it look like to live in the river? And I just want to say before we get theological about all of this, for some of you, this is like the only thing you're going to remember tonight. And this is what you need to hear. Sometimes you got to slow down. You got to stop running. You got to get on your knees and kind of go down the bank and humble yourself and just learn to listen. We were so busy, so busy counting. I'm going to be late for my meeting, Lord. That we, we, we think that we're justified and say, no, no, no. It's a great idea. That doesn't work in my life. It's a great idea. I know, Lord, that I could wake up at 6 a.m. and pray on Tuesday mornings, the office, but it's cold. And I just want to snuggle with you this morning in my bed. You know what I'm talking about? I love you. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just trying to say, like, we often will relate to the whispers of the Holy Spirit like they're super great suggestions. And he's like, will you shut up, stop running, and get in the water? Because every Every command of the Lord is a blessing in disguise. Every, 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 every directive that he gives is because he's inviting us to grace. So let's not be people who run right next to this thing and never step into it, yeah? All right, so what is grace? I think they have a slide. I, I, I don't know who this is, but I like his definition of grace. This is Bishop Kenneth Carter. Do we have it? Oh, we have it. Hallelujah. It says, God, grace, 
is God's presence to create, heal, forgive, reconcile, and transform human hearts, communities, and the entire creation. Right? So God's presence to create, heal, forgive, reconcile, and transform human hearts, communities, and the entire creation. Wherever God is present, there is grace. Grace brought creation into existence. Grace birthed human beings, bestowed on us the divine image, redeemed us in Jesus Christ, and is ever transforming the whole creation into the realm of God's reign of compassion, justice, generosity, and peace. <laughs> that's, that's so good. <laughs> that's like really good news for not just our little lives, but like all of creation. That's God's grace. John Wesley says this, grace is the undeserved, unmerited, loving action of God in human existence through the ever-present Holy Spirit. Right, that river, that Ezekiel 47 river, it's grace. It's the presence of God. It's the power of God. It's the healing of God. It's, it's the wisdom. It's, it's his grace. It's, it's grace. Oh, it's his, it's ever-present activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I was in a, has anybody read a book called Grace Outpouring? It's about a little community in Wales called Falderbrennan. Has anybody read this book? It is, it, it is just phenomenal little read. I've actually been there. And it's the story, it's the story of this little community, this man who was kind of broken down. He had, he had fallen out of ministry and he'd just gotten this huge um, high-paying job in, in, in London. And as he's about to start this job, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and he gets this email from this little, tiny, dilapidated, like, retreat center in the middle of nowhere. I've been there. It's still in the middle of nowhere. There's way more sheep and cows and things than there are human beings that can speak English. It's just like endless rolling green hills and animals. And he, he feels the Holy Spirit say, give the job away and go take the leadership of this little dilapidated, run-down retreat center. And as he's there, he he gets a revelation of a priestly identity and a revelation of the number, the, the blessing um, from the book of Numbers that the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. They create this little rhythm of prayer where they would, like three times a day, I think, they would meet, they would gather, they started blessing their retreat center, they started blessing their, their it's this little valley with like, you know, a valley of, it's like community of farms, I guess, way different than America, right? Um, and, and they just start praying this and they start blessing it. And sure enough, you know what started happening? The grace of God starts flowing in this little place. They start having, like read the book. I, I, this is like such a, this almost gives such a deep injustice. But like they would have seasons where months, for different months, there would be different profound manifestations of supernatural occurrences. Like for, for months Every day, 12 people would wander onto the campus and have profound encounters with Jesus and give their lives to the Lord. For months, people would come and there would be supernatural, they have this cross that they built on the hillside. They had a dream and one of, their, one of their prayer people had a dream. They built this cross. They would find people that would be transfixed at this cross sometimes for days, not being able to move as they would come under the conviction of heaven. The, the, whole, the whole thing changed. Fall to Brennan, I have been there. Who else has been, has anybody been there in this room? Might just be me, but that's okay. I know people, my wife has gone there as well. <laughs> Naomi did not go there. She didn't quite make the cut. But 
but the point being, it is a watering hole for the nations now. People have gone there literally from the nations of the earth to this, this like far corner of Wales in the middle of nowhere. When we got there, they're like, oh, by the way, there's no self-service. And, you know, Jack, Jackie's like a, a part-time realtor, and she was working with a client at the time. She's like, okay, but what's the Wi-Fi password? Like, there is no Wi-Fi. Like, you've touched the nations of the earth, and you don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> My gosh, I thought you needed an Instagram following to do this kind of stuff. No, you just need Grace. They've seen the economics of their whole region transform. They've seen, they have seen a, 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 an absolute work of grace because they created an environment of ministry to the Lord. They built this, this community center and they started housing. It's, it's, it's just, it's phenomenal. Like this isn't just like some great theological doctrine. Like they're living in this grace that is working to redeem and create and heal humanity. It's the presence of our God. It's the presence of our Jesus. These are just a couple things that will maybe just, I wanna give like, grace is like this diamond. You know how you stare at diamonds? They look different, other side. Remember when I, I never really looked at one until I bought one for Jackie, you know, to propose. But I had like two months before I could give it to her. So I would just lay at night. I just want to look at this thing. I'd be like, wow, diamonds are forever. <laughs> like, come on, put Beyonce on. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. No, I'm, I'm joking. It wasn't, like, it wasn't quite like that. But I was kind of mad. I was like, wow, no, no, wonder, no wonder girls like these things. They are kind of cool. So grace, grace is like a diamond, right? I just want to like kind of do this for a second with grace. So there's prevenient grace. Say prevenient. Prevenient is like, like think preventative. Like it, it meaning it goes before. Like it's a grace that's at work before we do anything. I believe it's Francis de Sales. He's like an old, um, he, he was one of like the devotional fathers of the church. I don't even know how many hundreds of years ago he lived. But he has this line that's like, no matter how early you rise to seek the Lord, you will never anticipate his awakeness. Like he is always waking. He is always watching long before you are. He was here tonight before any of us were. He had thoughts about this gathering before any of us did. He is prevenient. He goes before us. He goes ahead of us. He is working on our behalf. It says that we love him because he first loves us. And I think that's true on the day of salvation, but I think it's true on every other day afterwards. We need God to love God. He, he's actually, it's, it's as if the, the, the analogy I would get is he comes and he stocks the refrigerator of our heart every single day. Right? You know, I don't do the grocery shopping. Jackie does. I'm going to say this story. It's going to get me in trouble. It's totally hypothetical, but it's going to plant a seed in her mind of something she's going to hope that I'm going to do. Right? But, the, like, so Jackie does, like, all the cooking. I'll just... Like all of it, like 100%. I, don't, I think I've cooked once since we got married. It's just a confession, right? You, you can pray for me. I need to become more selfless, you know? I need to become the priest of my home and learn how to chop things. I just open the refrigerator sometimes and I'm just like, I'm so overwhelmed. It's a giant in my life. I need deliverance from fear. I freeze. I'm like, there's nothing pre-made anywhere, and I'm lost. 
All right, but she still stocks this fridge like without fail. So I have the decision, right? Like I can go to the fridge, I could make a meal. Like I could take these raw ingredients and I could make this beautiful meal. And Jackie would probably pass out and it would be bad. We'd probably have to go to the hospital. She'd be so shocked. This is why I don't do it. I, I'm trying to... <laughs> this is a spontaneous story. I hope it's landing, right? But the point being, like it would so bless her heart. And now I feel like I just signed myself up for something. <laughs> But the point being, it doesn't matter that Jackie stocks the fridge. I still took the ingredients. I'll report back. <laughs> so I'm saying this in faith. I took these ingredients. I made them something more than their raw material. And this is what it's like with God. Like we don't have the raw ingredients. We don't have the love, the mercy, the kindness, the goodness, the compassion. Like, we don't have what it takes to give God the love that he's worthy of. He stocks us every day. Provenient grace. We can choose to use that for worship. We can choose to, to use what God gives us, the talents, the grace, the gifts, the energy, the life, the breath. Everything that we have is from him every day. We can choose to use that to bring glory to him or we can choose to waste it on whatever we are. We want. We can choose to, to be the prodigal son that wasted on the world. We can turn it upon ourselves. But the point being is his provenient grace is still chasing us every single day of our lives. And he is the father of lights who gives without variation or shifting shadow. And he will stock your fridge with love every single day. He doesn't change. He will pursue you relentlessly all the days of your life. Psalm 23 says, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Which means if you don't know where to find it, you just need to turn around. Because he is pursuing us with grace. This is provenient grace. Before we loved him, when we were enemies to him, when we were cursing his name, he was stalking our fridge with love. Pursuing us, thinking of us, preferring us, praying for us, giving his life for us. Provenient grace. This is, this is one angle of the diamond. Then you have saving grace. This is the grace that the Holy Spirit actually comes and convicts us and that we had a day, a moment of salvation where we were convicted of our depravity, but that conviction didn't produce utter despair. It produced a sense of hope that he would want to forgive us. And he saves us. There's this turning of the heart where somehow the blindness, like humanity became so blind, there was no way we would have ever been able to recognize Jesus as good. There is no way. And yet the saving grace, he, he pushes, he, he breaks through the veils, he breaks through the walls. It's that song, there's no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up. There's nothing. He breaks through the impossible, impenetrable barriers of the human heart, decayed and deprived by sin. And he opens our eyes to see, you are lost, but you can be found with me. We get saved. Grace grace nothing of our doing we did not seek him he sought us we did not find God God found us justifying saving grace 
Oh, then there's sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit where he actually wants to work the holiness of God to make us holy like he's holy. That he, he convicts us and he calls us to ongoing repentance, not so that he can punish us because the one who fears has not been perfected in love because fear doesn't involve punishment. He doesn't ever put the fear of punishment in front of us. He just opens us to the places where we're flawed and says, come to me and I'll make you holy like I'm holy. And he sanctifies us bit by bit by bit. The empowering grace of God that he gives us the Holy Spirit, charis, mata, Gifts of grace, charis, grace. They're the gifts of grace, the Holy Spirit. He empowers us. He gives us spiritual gifts. He encounters us. Healing grace releases miracles, heals our hearts, heals our minds. Like we could, do you see what I'm saying here? Diamonds are forever. Come on. Grace. Grace. All right, so how do we enter grace? And then, and then, and then, and then, then we'll do it. How do we enter grace? I'm, I'm just going to give you a demonstration. This, you, this is actually probably, you're not going to forget this. But I want to show you how do you enter grace. All right, this is how. I, I need someone to be a, a, a volunteer right now, real quick. Okay, perfect. Let me show you. So, so, so thank you, David. Where, can you throw me, that, throw me that water? All right. Here's a water bottle. This is Arrowhead. Since 1894, it says 100% mountain spring water flows from the high mountain springs of Colorado. Oh, it is so tasty. Minerals are added to this to make it taste better. It will nourish you, right? Like I could, I could tell you, David, this is incredible. This water it's healing water. Everything I just said, it's, it's in this water. Right? And that's like, great. Right? You're like, great. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything unless you've actually paused yourself. Right? So what did I say? I said I need a quick, this, this is what I want to show you. This is what it's like to live in the grace of God. Right? This is... See, no explanation needed. He knew this was going to happen. No, 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 come up here, come up here. Come up here. Right, so I can tell you guys, oh, wow, this mountain spring water from Colorado. Come up here, come up here. This mountain spring water from Colorado, it's so amazing. Like, it's great. It's really great. Right, and like, uh, we could describe it, but it's like, you know, you just got to get next to this guy right now and like it's going to get on you. Like, like how, do you, how do you know? Like you don't just say, hey, you know, I've been drinking it. I know I can. No, it's like he's in the water. Do, do you see how the difference? Can you witness grace? Right? Like who's, who, who's in the grace? Who's in the grace? Is it me or is it David? No, but I told you about this 100% mountain spring water from Colorado. You could, you could see it on David. 
Well, you can see it, right? But you can't see it. I feel like so much of the church, we're like trying to figure out grace. How do you get into the grace? This is how. All right, you can sit down. This is the secret. This is the secret. This is the secret. This is how you get on grace. Quick obedience. Write it down. Quick obedience. This is how you get in the grace. Quick obedience. Say you need a volunteer. This is how God works. Hey, I need a volunteer. I also need a volunteer to clean this up. And none of you can post this because the vineyard will not be happy. Thank you for your grace, Lord. This is how God works. I need a volunteer. And the person decides, me, 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 me. God's like, grace. Grace. It says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. He gives what? He gives what? He opposes the proud, but he gives what? To who? He gives grace to the humble. This is the thing. Pride is like my way. I got it figured out. Like the pride, it says that the, the, the flesh literally, like it's, the, it's a stench. The things of the spirit are a, a stench to the flesh. The pride, it's like in Hebrews, like don't harden your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. But that's what the flesh does. That's what the pride is. It's like you harden your hearts. You hear God calling and you're like, there's something in you that pulls away from this. You're like, no, that doesn't quite resonate with the way that I think things should go. God says, give this huge financial offering. You're like, God says, go to this place you don't want to go. God's like, wake up at 6 a.m. and pray. We're really good at spiritually justifying things. And then you know what we do? God just lets us spiritually justify things. And then we end up being the people that are just telling people about mountain spring water. Oh, but let me tell you, this stuff comes from the Colorado Rockies. I don't want to tell people about what the water's like. I just want to be drenched. And the way you get drenched is quick obedience because God gives grace to the humble. And water is like grace. It will flow to the lowest place. So you'll find this will start trickling. It's right here. It's trickling back. So there must be a low point in the stage helping them. This is why we did this. Helping find the uneven places up here. But the point being, it goes to the lowest place and the humble in heart will get there. You'll find it. You will, you will intuitively, humility is like a dog that knows how to find a bird and point to it. Humility, when it's been cultivated in our lives, it will find his grace, it will point on it, and it will do anything to get into that grace. I will find. If the bullseye's right there, the humble in heart will say, here I am, Lord, drench me, dump me. Right? Faith doesn't always make sense when you obey the, the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't often make sense. Sometimes it does. I love when it does. I love when it's like, that seems logical. And I'll do it, you know? But a lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times it doesn't make sense. But this is the thing. You don't get grace where you're at. You don't, you don't get grace and then obey. You obey and you step into grace. You step into the provision. Peter didn't know that he had grace to walk on the water until he walked out on the water. 
There's something about obedience. God is looking for obedient hearts. And when you'll be obedient, obedience flows from a humble heart that's actually looking for opportunities to participate in God's grace. You're actually searching for the moments when he's giving those little invitations to say, this is my way to get into the river. So many of the church were afraid. We're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna, let's just take our money. I'm gonna like give my 10% and make sure that I have like these nice safe boundaries and that God is happy with what I'm doing because I really don't wanna hear you talk to me about money because I'm scared you're gonna ask me to do something that I'm not really comfortable to do right now. This is how so many people in the church live. I'm like, like you're missing it. You're missing grace. You're trading financial comfort for the river. Oh, I'm kind of scared. I want to I wanna kind of be close, but not too close because I don't want the Lord to have too much space because I'm kind of scared he might ask me to move to China. So every time there's a mission Sunday, I'm like, should I go? Should I not go? I usually sit about four rows further back. That way, just feels a little safer away from like the hot spot of maybe getting called to go to a place I don't know if I want to go. You're missing it. It's not about your circumstances. It's not about the money in your bank account. It's not about your comforts. It's not about you. It's about the grace of God. It's about living in the river. Right? We gotta, we gotta catch ourselves. If you're, like, we're, we should be leaning in, waiting. Like, I dare you, Lord, ask me. What do you want to do here? What do you want to do there? Like, looking for the, the, the way, the inlet to get into the grace. Like, I want to live in this constant grace. And this is the thing. His grace has no end. It's endless grace. It's boundless grace. But we can resist it. We can miss it. Quick obedience quick obedience. You know what I love about that? Is it's easy. Everyone can do quick obedience. You know how you obey? You obey. <laughs> this, this is theologian, theologian named John Leith. He says this. He suggests that Western civilization's success at solving problems has been the source of a great temptation to believe not only that all problems can be solved, but also that life itself can be understood and handled as a problem. Right? We get into this thing of like thinking that we can understand our life. And then what happens is we end up, if we're just living cerebrally, and I'm not against the mind, we're supposed to love the Lord with all of our mind, but the mind should be submitted to the spirit. Right, Jesus often offends the mind to reveal the heart. God is wanting the heart to be the thing that leads, and then the mind will follow. And it, I can get more nuanced into this, but the point being is if we see life as a problem that can be understood, we start to like do our calculations without calculating for the grace of God. So it's like, well, we only have this much money and this much time and this much this and this much that. I don't think we can do it. God's saying, I'm asking you to obey me because I'm asking you to do what you can never do. I'm, I'm, you know, like when we get these words, these corporate words as a church, I'm in my own battle. My mind's like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do any of that? I, I'm serious. I could still sit here and be like, I, I, <laughs> the math doesn't add up, Lord. 
schools and this. I'm like, I'm trying to like be healthy right now with my time and family and da 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 da. And I'm like, whoa. And God's like, stop. It's not about you. I'm not calling you to figure it all out and make it a problem that you can understand and say, hey guys, church, let's gather together. I can guarantee you this is how it's gonna work out. We just need to like, everybody just do your little part and then it's gonna show up to a global transforming movement that's gonna sweep across the whole world. No. There's not enough money, time, energy, anointing, skill. Like none of us are that smart. None of, like there's, <laughs> there's so many flaws, even with me. Like I could give you like 12 reasons why I should never be the person leading an apostolic church that's gonna send water to the nations per se. Like seriously, I'm not, I, I don't even want to because it would be depressing. But the point being <laughs> is this is not about humans. Like, we can honor and celebrate one another's obedience, but you, it's like you're just making a huge mistake if you think that, <laughs> that the church is because of me or anybody else that touches a microphone up here. I sometimes am like, Lord, I chuckle. How have we gotten this far? It's true. You can, like, laugh at it. It's funny. Like you should be liberated from over-seriousness. Like you realize God chose like knuckleheads. Like he sent out 20-something-year-old apostles. <laughs> the older I get, I'm like, that is crazy. I was so stupid when I was 22 years old. But somehow I was anointed <laughs> because of his grace. Like you guys, this isn't about us. It's about grace. Like there is grace that we can enter into, but he just needs obedience. It sounds so cliche, but that's my message. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. When I started the church, this older guy that was a church planner expert, he, he met with me and he, I think he felt bad for me because I was like 25 and we had no money. And he was like, hey, I bought you a free subscription to this church planning software. It has a, I'm not joking. He's like a 1500 point checklist of everything you need to do to be successful in planting a church. And I was like, thank you. Wow. I didn't realize there was that many things. I just love Jesus. <laughs> so I sit down at my computer. I'm like, I'm determined. I'm a go-getter. So I'm like, I'm going to get this 1,500-person checklist thing done. I open it, and I got like 15 in, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't know if I'm supposed to plan a church. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be hard. It was like, make all your first volunteers sign an 18-month contract. They won't leave for 18 months. And I'm like, oh, that would be awkward. Do you promise not to leave? <laughs> like, I'm like, this is so very inspiring, Lord. So I'm like, my anxiety is like going from down here. I'm like excited. I'm going to get this 1,500 person mountain today. And I'm like, my anxiety is like, oh. And the Lord's like, stop me. And he said, Jordan. I said, yes, Lord. He said, you have a choice to make. And I was like, okay. And he said, one, he's like, you can try to go do everything that you think you need to do to be successful. He said, and you are going to wear yourself out and you're going to be an anxious mess and it won't be very successful. He said, or you can decide 
to just listen to what I ask you to do and obey me. I was like, you mean I don't have to do this 15-person checklist thing? He was like, yeah, you don't need to do that. He's like, throw that away, listen to me and obey. That's been my decision. I have people call me now. Can you tell me the secret how to plant a church? I'm like, listen, obey. You want to know how River House is? Listen, obey. How do you create a place where the Holy Spirit's? I don't know. You just listen and you obey. You 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 listen and obey. That's my call to you, church. All right, let's just stand on our feet. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I thank you for this house. I thank you for these beautiful, 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 beautiful people. Lord, I thank you for your grace, your wondrous, 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 wondrous grace. And Lord, I would ask that Holy Spirit, you would whisper tonight. I have a sense that you've been whispering. I ask that you would continue whispering and that you would invite us in to the river tonight. And I, I, just, I just bless you. I just stand tonight and I pray that the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, the Lord be gracious to you, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Riverhouse, I lift you before the throne of heaven. And I ask, Father, that you will mark us with grace. Lord, that you will open our eyes to the grace that surrounds us. Christ before us. Christ behind us. Christ above us. Christ beneath us. Christ beside us. Christ within us. The grace that protects us and goes before, the grace that empowers, the grace that heals, the grace that delivers, the grace that, 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 that lavishes blessing, the grace for union, the grace to be holy, the grace that saves us, God. Your grace, your grace, God. We thank you for your grace. And I ask God that your grace would become a living reality for every son and daughter, Lord, for every beloved one that is in this room tonight, Lord, that they would hear your voice saying, saying, come to the waters. All who are thirsty, come and drink, come and eat wine and milk without money and without price. Listen to me, incline your ear and listen to me that you may live and that you would speak, God, and that you would impart grace, grace to this house. Lord, I lift up those that have found themselves in stagnant places and I ask, Lord, that tonight they will step out of stagnancy in one turn. They will turn and they will step into the river of your grace, oh God. You know, if you want to just make a step tonight that says, I want to step out of where I've been and step into the river. If you just feel like there's been a stuckness or, or you have, you know, you've been, you've been describing the mountain water, but you want to step into the river tonight. I just want to invite you to come forward. There's nothing, there's nothing spiritual about this outside of that it's obedience, and so if this is you, if the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart, I want you to imagine like there's a river of grace that's here. And I just want to say, come. If you want the grace of God, come. If you want to step out of the season that you've been in and you want to step into something new, just come. Just come and step 
into the grace of God. And we ask, Lord, that heaven will come to earth and that the grace of God and the voice of God and the presence of God, that you will have your way in this house amongst your people. Lord, that you will liberate the pressure where we think it's upon us and our performance and and what we have to offer, Lord, and that you will liberate us into simple obedience tonight, I ask, in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, I want to encourage anybody that's come forward just to kneel. To kneel and to humble yourself before the Lord is just to say, God, would you mark me? Would you, would you see my heart positioned for the outpouring of your grace? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you give grace to the humble. Would you release that grace like a mighty flow? Like in Ezekiel 47 River tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Yeah, we're just, we're gonna, I'm gonna let you linger here. I'm gonna invite the, 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 the prayer team to just, to, to minister as you feel. Just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Um, if, if you, if you wanna go or the kids, it's time to go home. I'm just gonna ask that you just, let's just have reverence to what the Lord's doing. There is a sense of like a, a reverence, like a, a quiet to what seems to be happening in the room right now. And so I just want you to honor that quiet. And uh, if you want to have fellowship, there's plenty of, of space out there in the lobby and that you can just honor the quiet space for the Holy Spirit to move upon those that are just humbling themselves in the quiet. You know, we were singing that tonight, that we would wait upon the Lord I just feel there's something about for those of you that are responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit to just be patient in the presence of the Lord tonight and to let your words be few and to give space for the whisper of your God. And so ministry team, I just, I bless you to go and just minister in that whisper tonight. And we just speak grace. Grace, grace to you, in Jesus' mighty name.